Welcome to Lakeside Church's Message Podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Let's go and let's pray and let's go into God's Word, because this is probably, of all the messages I ever get to share, this is my favorite my 100% favorite, and I want to do it justice. So God, all of your word is true. God, but there's some parts of your word that are just so exciting to me, and Lord, and, and, and I don't know how to do it justice. And I can't do it justice. This is your holy word written before I was even born. Holy Spirit, I invite you here just to speak. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive and give me a mouth to share your word so that Christ would be glorified and that your kingdom can come in this area and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you should have came in. You should have got a paper. I don't have one to show, but if you, if you need a paper, it kind of goes through the sermon notes, and you can write down um, kind of what we're talking about. Um, if you need one, raise your hand, and somebody, I'm sure, um, Miss Barber up here needs one, and Miss uh, in the back over here, we got another couple people, so make sure that somebody goes over there. Thank you, Jonathan. Not only did you pick up the offering box, but you're getting papers. You are on the ball, Jonathan. All right. But while we are waiting for those papers, let's go to the very first scripture. It is out of the book of 1 John chapter 16, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 16. And so I put the scripture, it's out of the ESV translation, and I, and I want you to read it, and I want, you to, I want you to let it sit with you a second, okay? Because we know we are supposed to love, right? That's one of the things that we know. Um, if you need a paper, put your hand up, the papers are coming right now, um, but we know that we are supposed to love. And so what this says in chapter um, 3, verse 16, it says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. See, the very first part of that scripture is the most important, because that is speaking about what Christ did on the cross. See, what happened on the cross is when you were at your worst, when you were at your very worst, Christ says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So think about your very worst moment. And there's about, you know, there's a lot of people in here. So I bet there are some very terrible moments. All right. Thank God there's not a screen that we could put up there that showed all of your worst moments, all of the worst things you've ever did, the worst lies you've ever told, the, the, the way you've hurt people. I mean, I mean we, there could be a child molester in this room. Let's just be honest. There could be, there could be a murderer in this room. Let's just be honest. It, but, the, but the fact is, is even at your worst moment... Christ died for you. He laid down his life. And so don't get caught up on child molester or murderer. Think about you. What was your worst moment? And it was at that worst moment that Christ laid down his life 
for us, for me too. I've had a lot, lot of bad moments. When you get to heaven, and, and, and you know, when we get there and it says like, you know, we'll, some people say we might know everything. And when you find everything out about Chris, you're going to be like, I let that guy be my pastor? What was I thinking? Anyways, but when you look at it, he lied down his life for us, or he laid down his life for us. We ought to. We ought to. We better. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Like, that's what the scripture says. And so we're going to talk about today. The very first point that I, that I want to put it there is that love lays down its life for its brothers. And so some of you guys are real literal. You're like, I ain't got no brothers. Yes. All right. No brothers in my family. I'm the only child. I can ignore that one. But that's not what it's talking about. You know, the Bible talks about brotherhood in a lot of different ways. There's one way that's very specific is the brotherhood of the church. The fact that Christ created a brand new community of believers, and he took us out of every tribe, tongue, and nation. And when we get to heaven, the body of Christ is multicolored. And not everybody's language is going to be in English as the first language. And it's going to be from all over the world, all over the generations. And it's, it, 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 that's one type of brotherhood. But then the other type of brotherhood that the Bible speaks about is the brotherhood of man. Who is your neighbor? Like when Jesus was asked, who is your neighbor? He picked a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan would have been like the person you have the biggest problem with. Okay, it would have been like the person that you didn't like the most. Now, and I want you to think about this, and, and I'm not trying to get political, but, but just put, put the parable in this, and, and Jesus, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus says, well, one time there was a guy from the Taliban. You'd be like, Taliban, what, him? No, we're not supposed to like the Taliban, you know, this, that, and the other. Like, it would, it would hit something inside of you. Samaritans and in, 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 in the people of Israel did not get along. They were enemies. So in another sense, it's the brotherhood of man. So, and this is where it gets so hard, love lays down its life for its brothers. I think it starts first here in the church. I think that's the first place that it should start, but then ultimately it should expand to the whole world because there is a sense in that we are all brothers. It doesn't matter where we were born. It doesn't matter where we, um, what we look like. We are all brothers, and that's what love does. Love lays down its life for its brothers. And if you take this verse a little bit farther, it talks about meeting needs. It's like if your brother is hungry or your brother is thirsty, you'd give him a drink. Now, that's not true in my family. When one of my kids says, hey, can somebody give me a drink of water? My brother, their brothers and sisters say, no, you get it. That's the normal human response. We'll be sitting around, they're like, hey, can you grab me a cup of water? No, you go do it. But you're already in the kitchen. I don't care, you get in the kitchen. And I think that's our normal response too. Our brother, 
is in need. They need something. And we find a million excuses why we can't help them. We find a million excuses why they should get up and do it themselves. Now, it's not the perfect illustration, but it is true that we are very good at finding out reasons why we can't help people. And the Bible says that love lays down its life. Love lays down its life. When you look at your life, do you lay it down every day for its brothers, whether it's the brothers and sisters that you have in church or just the brotherhood of man? And that you meet their needs because the very next scripture talks about meeting their needs. And then we're going to talk about that, about meeting the needs of the people in this world. Jesus told a very interesting parable in John chapter 10. And if you, you can look on your paper there or you can turn to John chapter 10 verses 11 through 13. And it's one of, there's a verse in here that's very famous. If you've been in church for a long time, you've heard the first verse a lot, but they've probably skipped over the rest of these verses. And, and I think I saw something in here and, and I think it shows something that hopefully doesn't apply to us. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing about the sheep. I don't know how many dogs you've had to fight in your life, all right? For some reason, I've had to fight a lot of dogs. It started very early on. Early on in my life, when I was about seven years old, I was at a friend's house, and they had just got this rescue dog, and this dog was like really mean. It was a pit bull, and it was chained to a tree because they knew I was coming over. And so they said, hey, our son's friend is coming over. Let's chain him up. So I was in the backyard playing with my best friend, and then my parents came, and they said, hey, Chris, it's time to go. And so I came around the side of the backyard and the pit bull the, the tree was here and the pit bull was like over here and I'm walking back and I'm like oh it was such a fun day I got to play with my friends and all of a sudden I stepped on the chain and I realized that the tree was there and the pit bull was there that chain was not very protective to me at that moment so I made a decision I took off running at full speed all right because I just didn't want to get bit. And as I'm running at full speed, this pit bull comes charging, and right when he got to the very end of the leash, this is not a lie, he took a chunk out of this butt cheek. There are four puncture holes, I'm not gonna show you, but there are four puncture holes in this butt cheek that stopped me in mid-sprint. It stopped me, he dug in so deep, because you know how a pit bull's jaws, they're pretty strong, that the top of his, like his front paws were off the ground because the chain had stopped. So he's like this, <laughs> fully in my butt cheek. And at that point in my life, I realized something. I was never again gonna run from a dog. <laughs> so from seven years old, I said, if a dog wants to fight me, I'm gonna go head to head with that sucker. 
because I realized that was not the way to fight the dog. And so I've done a lot of jogging in my life and I've done a lot of things in my life and I've, I've come to the place where if a, dog atta- if a dog starts running at me, it's on, brother. I'm going head on. We're going to go head to head. In fact, right around in the neighborhood where I live, there's this little pond and I jog around the pond and again, a pit bull Nothing against pit bulls, but sometimes they get aggressive. This pit bull was chasing me along the fence. And so like I'm running and the fence is there and I'm running and I'm kind of looking at it, looking at my surroundings like, well, I can't jump over that fence because that's not that big and there's not really any rocks and I don't really have a stick. And then I found this piece of granite, like there's a really big granite rock. And I'm like, I pick that up. And so I'm running and I'm running and all of a sudden the fence stopped. And I keep running, and the pit bull comes out after me. So I had learned my lesson. I turned around, and I went full speed at that pit bull because it was on. And he was going full speed at me, and I had that rock. And at about before he got about five feet from me, he just stopped. He was like, okay. <laughs> All right, we're good. We're good. We're good. And he just kind of backed away because I realized I wasn't gonna run from him. And in this story, Jesus is telling a very interesting parable about a shepherd who cares so much about his sheep that when he sees the wolf coming, he's not gonna run away. But when a hired hand sees a wolf coming, the hired hand is gone. Now God's sheep are his people. And there's some people in here that you're either, you're either joining the good shepherd and you care as much about God's people as he does or you're just a hired hand. And when things get hard, there's two reactions. The first reaction is, I'm out of here. This is too hard. It's uncomfortable. The second reaction is, this may not be fun, but I am going toe to toe with this pit bull and I had the concrete thing. I also had another plan in my thing. There was a pond right there, and I'm Cuban. So you all know Cuban people can swim, right? We got to swim 90 miles to get here. So I had made up my plan that I was going to hit him in the head with the rock and take him in that water because I said, you try to beat a Cuban in a water pit bull. I had planned this whole thing out. There's two types of reactions. When it gets hard, when you're loving God's people, you're either out the door, and if you're out the door, you're a hired hand. You're not one with the shepherd, because the shepherd never runs away. Shepherd sees the wolf coming and says, let's do this. You wanna fight with me? I ain't turning, down, turning back. And the next point I wanna put in, the, in there, and you can write it down, if you're following Jesus, for what you'll get instead of what you've been given, you won't care about others. And I want you to think about that. If you're following Jesus for what you will get instead of what you've been given, you won't care about others. The reason I'm here is not because it was really easy to start a church. The reason I'm here today is not because it was easy. It's because I've been given new life in Christ. 
and I can't help but want to share it with others. There's some people, and in fact, in the American church, it's kind of crept in that we think that like you follow Jesus and all of a sudden life is rainbows, ra rainbows, roses, unicorns, and fairy tales. And if that's, the, if that's what you're under, you're going to run away because you're just a hired hand, right? Doesn't a hired hand work for what they'll get? Think about that. Oh, it's, it's too hard. I'm not getting what I want out of this. So let me just leave. But if you're following Christ because of what you've been given, what other options do you have? You won't care about others. Do you know how many times people have called me and asked me for things and shared their problems and I'm not trying to... My mercy, if you've ever taken a spiritual gifts test in Go Deeper after church, we do a class. I would love for you to take it. It talks about what Lakeside Church is, what we believe, and we do do a spiritual gift test. And one of the spiritual gifts is mercy. Well, when I take a spiritual gift test, my mercy gift, if it could go negative, it would. All right, because my mercy gift, my, my natural reaction, I have empathy. All right, let me explain the difference. When I see somebody suffering, my heart goes out to them, and I want to put my arm around them, and I want to lift them up. That is 100% natural. That is what I'm not saying anything different. But when it comes time to just complaining about how bad your life is, my mercy gift is like... Do you realize how hard my life is? <laughs> now, if you're stuck in the mud and, and you're broken, empathy comes and I want to lift you up. But when you're just like, it's just so hard. My wife doesn't give me a hug the way I like to be hugged. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> That's on the inside, though. You'll never see that. Some of you were like, I'm never talking to Chris about my problems again and my problem. And that's why we have Pastor David over here. Pastor David is in charge of pastoral care. So when you need pastoral care, come to Pastor David and he will help you out. And he has a mercy gift that is about a thousand times more than me. Now, if you're in trouble and you're on the side of the road and your car is broken down, I'm the one to call because I'll either get there and I'll probably wind up getting four or five other guys there to come help you out because I do care about people. But when people start whining, it's really hard. But this is the truth. If you're following Jesus because of what you're going to get instead of what you've been given, you won't care about others. But let's move through this because there's some more good stuff that, that we need to go through. Um, there's a scripture, um, and it talks about Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. And it's on your paper, and I just read it out loud, but I want to look at what it means. Jesus came to seek and save which was lost. This is what the word seek is in the Greek. I looked it up, and this is one of the definitions. There's several, but this is one of them. To seek means to devote serious effort 
to realize one's desire or objective. Now we're talking about Jesus seeking and saving the lost. Lost refers to people, and that does not refer to their value. It refers to their location, okay? It refers to that fact that they are far from Christ, not that they are pieces of garbage. So when we talk about lost people in this church, we're not saying, oh, they're lost, we're better than them. We are saying they are out of relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus came to seek those who were out of relationship, and it says to devote serious effort. Is that you? Could we take your name? Bill? I don't know if there's a Bill here. Maybe there is. Bill came to seek and save. I'm, I'm sorry, came to devote serious effort to realize one's desire or objective. Do you know how much Jesus talks about the lost and how much he loves the lost and the fact that he said he came to seek and save those who were lost? In fact, he told a story that he said that if he had 99 sheep and one was, if he had 100 sheep and 99 of them were here, he would walk out that door to go find that one. Imagine if I did that one day. Just think about that. I'm looking around. I see our people. We got about 100, and everybody's here. And then all of a sudden, I realize, like, Dale is missing. And I'm just like, all right, guys, I'll see you all later. And I just walk right out the back of the door. That's, that's what he's talking about. He told the story. If he said, if there's 99, uh, I'll leave the 99 and I'll go look for the one because it's his desire. The next thing that he talked about is he came to save. And when you look at the word save, and we can put that on the screen, it means to preserve or protect, to rescue from natural dangers or afflictions. See, this is a very serious truth is that if you are not in relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are lost, that's what lost means, you are out of relationship. If you are out of relationship with Jesus Christ, you are at risk. And by at risk, meaning bad things will happen. Should you die and you don't have a relationship with Christ, that is not good. There is some serious danger. So Jesus has some put, put, Jesus, if you put those two things together, he is putting some serious effort into his desire to protect people from, from serious danger. It's not like Jesus looks at hell and he looks at all the dangers in the world and is like, I'm really happy about this. No, he comes and he seeks. He puts serious effort to rescuing people and protecting them from some serious natural dangers. And I want to move a little bit faster through some of this stuff. Um, and this is the Great Commission. This is the last thing Jesus told his disciples, and we're going to spend about the next five minutes on this, and then we are going to be done. Now, the last thing somebody says is, 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 is probably important, right? You're probably thinking about it. And, and think about Jesus. Do you think about Jesus? Just real smart. You, who thinks Jesus? Raise your hand if you think Jesus was kind of a smart person. Raise your hand. It, they all should be up, but that's okay. All right? 
Raise your hand if you think Jesus like kind of had his priorities in order. All right. Raise your hand if you think Jesus had a plan. Okay. So we realize he's smart. We realize he knows his priorities and we realize he has a plan. And this is what he says. He says, Jesus came and told his disciples, disciples are learners or apprentices. We are learners. We are learning to live like Jesus lived and learning to think like Jesus thought. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. That's kind of a command. Kind of a command. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even till the end of the age. The first thing I want to put out there, that this is called the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. See, I have kids, and one of the things I do when I come home, you can't tell. It looks like if you think I've lost weight, you're completely wrong. i got a back brace right here, all right? I'm starting to think of wearing it more, though, because it makes me look a little thinner. But my back hurts, so when I come home, I need an ice pack. And so I have five kids, and I try to divvy out the responsibilities. And I'll go to one of my kids, and I'll say, hey, hey, can you go get me an ice pack? Daddy needs to lie down on the couch and ice his back. And the kid will just be like, and I'm like, hey, go get Daddy an ice pack. I'm like, go get daddy an ice pack. All right, dad, I got it. <laughs> and he goes over there and he gets it. Now, those are my little kids, okay? My daughters are not like that. They are, they are normal. They're not like that, okay? <laughs> those are my little kids. I have various ages, okay? They're boys, and boys just like to move around anyway. But Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And I feel like that most of the church is just like, go tell everybody about this good news that I've died and rose again and that I'm seeking and want to save those who are lost. I have a serious desire and, and, and I want to rescue them from danger. And most of the Christians are like, and if I was God, I would just echo down in every church right now and just be like, go! Because this was not a word just to Chris. This was not a word just to them. This was a word to the church. But too many of us were just stuck as if he was making a suggestion. And it's just there. It is a commission, a commission. That means you're doing it with someone. You're doing it with Jesus. And I want to pull a, pull a, few, a few points out of this. The first one, point one, introduce them to the one worth following. Introduce them to the one worth following. You have to introduce them to Jesus. You have to introduce them. Introduce them. 
Show them how good he is. Show them how he can love them, how he can heal them, how he can deliver them, how he can, how he can do all that he is. But that's the first part of making a disciple is introducing them. You have to introduce them. Now, you know what? Some of you are too afraid or maybe you're an introvert. Right here, we're giving you a tool. Just come and see. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for you to obey. Just come and see. Come and see. Introduce them. Just make the introduce. And he is worth following. He is worth laying down your life. The next point that I want to put up there is integrate them into the family he created. Now, you all have a natural family. And most of you, unless you were adopted, you were born into that family. Your mom, something happened, and pop, there you were. Well, that's the same thing that happened with Christians. But now they have to be integrated into that family. Look at these beautiful babies over here. Look at how much care is given to them. They're rocking them. They're petting them. They're trying to... New Christians are just like that. They need some rocking, some petting. They're whining. You got to change their diapers. You don't understand what they're talking about. They don't speak the same language. But new Christians are just like that. Now, you don't just leave that baby on the street. You've got to spend a lot of time. And then eventually it grows up. Now, if by the time they're this big, you're doing that, something's seriously wrong. But that's, what, that's exactly what it means to integrate them into the family. And here at Lakeside Church, we really, really, really want everyone to be integrated into this family. I don't care if you're white, African-American, Hispanic. We actually have a member of the Hispanic delegation that has chosen to take charge of that. I'm sorry, I won't point out Tamika over there, but... But it's like, Puerto Ricans are different than other people. Now, here's something y'all don't realize this. Not all Hispanics are Mexican. Okay, I just want to put, this is not for the Puerto Ricans. This is for everybody else. All right? Not all Hispanics are Mexican. And Puerto Ricans are a very special part, very special group, because they like to flaunt their Puerto Rican hood. <laughs> All right? If you look, you look at a Puerto Rican, and I bet you'll see a little Puerto Rican flag or maybe a CD with a Puerto Rican flag hanging in the hood, boxing gloves with the Puerto Rican flag, Puerto Rican um, uh, tank tops. Most of them or people in their family own those things. And it's not that they don't love America. They're just very, you know, very proud of their heritage. Okay? I, I was just helping the white people out, okay? Forgive me. <laughs> All right, it's, it's different for everything. But back to this, integrate them into the family. If we were going to take that analogy, if all of a sudden you were born into a Puerto Rican family, we would say, first thing you got to do, you got to get some boxing gloves with the Puerto Rican flag, and we're going to hang them right here, all right? And then you need to learn how to eat rice with everything, all right? We're going to teach you how to eat rice with everything. There's a lot of different ways to cook rice. And stop cooking chicken like that, because that's not how we cook chicken in our family. 
There's a lot. I'm married to a Puerto Rican. If Puerto Rican guys, if I offended you, forgive me. But I've spent a lot of time in a Puerto Rican household. Okay. The other thing you would do in a Puerto Rican family, and and Jonathan is when Jonathan was little, he used to take advantage of this. Is if you're going to leave the room. Um, you give everybody in the family a kiss on the cheek and you say good night, right? I'm not doing that to y'all over there. But in a Puerto Rican family, that would be something you would do. So you would have to integrate them into that thing. Now, Jonathan, he, uh, I've known him since he was little, he would take advantage. He would go around the room about eight or nine times before people realized he was supposed to be in bed. He'd be like, I love you, goodbye. I love you, goodbye. I love you, goodbye. It would be an hour and a half that he spent telling people he loved them good night. And then when they're finally like, Jonathan, it's like 1130 at night. Don't lie, Jonathan. You know that's true. But we need to integrate them into the body of Christ. Teach them what it means to live like Jesus lived and to think like Jesus thinks and to make them feel part, to help them to understand, okay? And um, I could go the same way when I lived in a small town in um, Missouri and nobody over there was Puerto Rican and I had to be integrated into eating squirrel. That was an integration. I was like, y'all eat squirrel? And they're like, you don't? (laughs) Sure. I will integrate myself into this family. And that's another story for another time. But let's get to point three, and then I think we're just about done. Point three, instruct them in his way of life. See, it's not just enough to introduce people to Jesus and not just enough to integrate people into a family. When people come in here, it should be like you come into a family. When people come into any church, it should be coming to the family. If you've sat by somebody in church for years and you don't know anything about them, that's not a church. That's just like a lecture hall. It should be a family. But the next thing, and this is where it gets tough, is instruct them, and this is where you come into learning about theology, and learning about teaching, and learning about growing as a Christian, and learning about your spiritual gifts, and learning about who God has created you to be. Instruct them in his way of life, that you learn to think about issues the way that Jesus thinks about issues, and you learn to live like he lives. And so there's a lot in that instruction. And there's a lot of instruction that has to go on, because let me tell you something. Where's my cell phone? It's over here. Everything that is pouring out of this is instructing me into a different way of life than Jesus has set up. And I'm getting 24-7, I needed to hand that to my wife anyway, I'm getting 24-7 instruction in a different way of life. And here's the thing, if you're following Jesus, are you making time to be instructed and then church, this is for the leaders, this is for those on the dream team, are we making ways for people to be instructed? Are we creating opportunities for people to grow in his way of life? And the last um, point I wanna make and then we're done is you, everybody point your finger at yourself. 
point your finger at yourself. Do this. At least I know you haven't fallen asleep. Point your finger at yourself. You are invited to join Jesus in his mission. Stop trying to invite him into yours. Too many of us, we want to set up our own plans and then invite Jesus along for the ride to bless us. We want to set up all the things that we want to do and then add Jesus just like a lucky rabbit's foot. If I put a little Jesus in it, it'll be blessed. Or we set up all the stuff that we want to do with our lives and like, Jesus, can you bless this? And Jesus is good. Sometimes he does bless it. He's not mean. He loves you. You're his child. But that's not the call. The call from the beginning has been, take up your cross and follow me. Calling you out of your life into a brand new life where you follow Jesus who wants to seek and save those who are lost. And then that same Jesus left. And he left that mission here. It's not like Jesus, I want you to think about that. Jesus says, I've come to seek and save that, those who are lost. And then he ascends into heaven. He's like, I guess I reached all the lost people. My job's done. Goodbye. No, that's not what happened. He said, the mission is yours. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says that awesome point, lo, I am with you always. This is the last thing I'm going to close with. Some of you, some of you, are feeling distant from God. And it's not because God has left you. It's because you've gotten so concerned with so many things that God doesn't care about. God has this world of lost people that he is desperate to reach. And if you would just get involved with that, you would all of a sudden begin to realize, man, I feel closer to Jesus. Why? Because that's where he is. When I was little, I could sit down and play my video games. They were the old kinds of cartridges. All right, no internet or anything. It was a cartridge. You put a cartridge in it, you play a video game. You know where my dad was? He was outside fixing something. I couldn't complain that I wasn't with my dad if I wasn't where my dad was. If I wanted to go spend time with dad, I walked out there and I handed him wrenches and tools and sockets and hammers and adult beverages and everything else that he needed to work on the car. Now Jesus doesn't drink adult beverage. Well. He did drink wine, so I guess I have to take that back. But, but the point is, is um, you have to be 
where Jesus is if you want your relationship with Jesus to be close. So bow your head, close your eyes. We're done. I'm sorry if I took too much time. Maybe you've never been introduced to Jesus. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. Maybe you have never started a relationship with Jesus before in your life. Do you know that it is so easy to start? Because Jesus said, if you believe in me, believe in your heart, and confess in your, with your mouth, you will be saved. If you have never started a relationship with Jesus, and you would like to start one today, not that you'll be perfect, but you want to begin to follow him and learn his ways. Because let me tell you what Jesus does. Jesus makes life better for me and Jesus makes me better at life. If you've never started a relationship with Jesus and you would like to today, would you put your hand up right where you're sitting? Amen. 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 Well, church, we're going to say a prayer, and, and, and there's some people that have raised their hands. So I'm going to invite you to say it with them so that they don't feel singled out. But for you that have raised your hands, as we... As we say this prayer, if you, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, the Bible says you will be saved. So church, I'd like you to say it together with me so that nobody feels singled out. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe you sent Jesus. I believe he died in my place. I believe he took my sins on the cross. I believe he took my sins on the cross. I believe he was buried. And now I believe he's risen. And now he's my Lord. I make him the leader of my life. And I want to follow him. Give me the help of the Holy Spirit because I can't do it on my own. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>